down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. What the hell did I say? Told you his ass wasn't going anywhere. Stay your behind right where you are. Period. Period. Let me tell you something right now. You know what that statement says? Let me tell you exactly what that statement says. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Got a special episode for you guys today. Got an in-person guest. Ooh, man. I haven't had an in-person guest in a long, long time. So I'm going to give a quick intro. I got Saad here with me, a huge Nets fan. He promised me that he's going to show up here in a Nets jersey. And to his promise, he did. He kept it. He's here in a Kyrie Irving Nets jersey in a re- in their retro throwback jersey, too. He's all hype. He's been wanting to come on this pod ever since uh, he found out that I got a podcast. He's like, man, I got to come on. And what better time to come on this podcast? We just got Nets news that dropped this week. KD and the Nets made up. And we're here to talk all about it. But before we start, I think we're going to go back to June 30th when KD first made his trade request. And I think this this whole situation kind of needs a rewind and a recap now that it's done. So I'm going to hand it over to Saad. And dude, the floor is yours. Let's just say, like, so June 30th, KD's trade request comes out. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, man, I would just like to thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I've been listening to a bunch of your episodes and I've really enjoyed it. Um, And as for the Nets, the June 30th trade request, at that point, you know, you've already suffered for the past year and a half at that point. You know, it was funny on my on my drive over here. I was listening to your episode about Game Five, KD against the Bucks, where he goes off for 49, 11, and seven, whatever it was, and it was like one of the best playoff performances of all time. And you know, since that point, things start to go downhill, right? You know, you have the Game Seven foot on the line, you lose that. That was a heartbreaker, and then. Everything comes out about the vaccine mandate and Kyrie not being able to play. James Harden is still recovering from his injury. And you're going into the season and there's so many question marks, right? And then for the first half, Kyrie can't play. James Harden is still injured, whatever. And then KD gets injured in in MCL sprain in January. And that took him out for like a couple of months. And, you know, at that point, the Nets have zero chemistry. Steve Nash has nothing, no idea how to structure his lineups. And, you know, it's kind of a mess. And then, you know, you walk into that Boston series, you barely make the playoffs, you get into the play-in, beat the Cavs, whatever it is. You know, that first game against the Boston Celtics, you know, we have that opportunity and then, taken literally from our fingers and that changes I feel like the whole dynamic of the rest of that series right and and on the surface level it looks like yeah we got swept 100% I'm not I'm not complaining about that at all but if you take a deeper dive into each of those games all four of those games are very very competitive within 10 points or less I was actually at game three in Barclays and honestly being down 2-0, it felt like Nets fans were deflated at Barclays. You know, there were I felt like there were more Boston fans there 
than Brooklyn fans. And for whatever reason, Steve Nash wasn't making these adjustments. You know, Blake Griffin comes in for like a few minutes in the third quarter, you know, provides the spark plug on defense and is hitting a couple of threes. And then Steve Nash just takes him out for whatever reason. Right. And so we go on to lose that series and it's like, okay, how can this get any worse? Right. Kyrie post game is like, oh, we are going to do all these things with the organization. We're going to work with Joe and Sean and Steve and all of this. And it's like, all right, man, like maybe not the best thing to say after you haven't played like half the half the games of the season. It's like that's not going to rub anyone the wrong way. (laughs) Not at all. And then you find out Sean Marks is like, oh, we want players that actually want to be part of the organization. <laughs> Literally. And then it goes into this whole thing into the offseason about how Kyrie isn't going to uh, re-sign long term. The Nets don't want to give him a contract and whatnot. And just when you think, you know, Kyrie opts in. Just when you think everything is settled down, everything's calm. Few days later, KD demands a trade request. And so it's like the past year and a half has just been a whirlwind. And I, I apologize for recapping for my fellow Nets fans out there that are listening uh, of this horrible season and a half that we've had to endure. But from that trade request, I was just like, things cannot get any worse. You know, like wherever he goes we're probably not going to get enough back. Although, although Danny Ainge over in Utah did kind of help us out by setting the bar ridiculously high <laughs> for Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert is demanding five first future first round picks and two current first round picks, then what will KD get is my question. So Danny Ainge, thank you so much did help us out from that perspective by setting the bar really high. Um, But as a Nets fan, you're just sitting there and just thinking this is the worst possible scenario. Um, And I guess you're really evaluating the the options that are out there. And I guess that's kind of how you're feeling, you know? Yeah. I mean, that it it was, uh, I think it was just shocking to everyone, right? Because if you look at it on the, just like outside, you're like, all right, after KD came to this organization, they kind of done everything that he wanted, you would think. They, they're like, you want Kyrie? Like, we'll sign Kyrie with you. We'll sign DeAndre Jordan. Oh like, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> like, you know, I brought this up on old pods. Like, you know, DeAndre Jordan versus Jared Allen. Like, we've hashed this out. You know, they got Kenny Atkinson fired where, you know, the pre-KD Kyrie Nets. It was like, Atkinson was a great coach uh, building those guys up. And then they're like, all right, you want Steve Nash? And then it's just like, man, like, so this organization kind of did everything you wanted. They got you James Harden. And, you know, really, if you look at it, you're like, the players were the guys who were not, like, cooperating in this partnership. Because Kyrie's like, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Harden asked out. KD, I mean, they basically paid a year for KD to rehab. Like, that first year was just like, here, KD, we'll pay you. Rehab on, like, our time. We'll pay you to rehab gave him a full four-year extension before he even starts the extension he's asking for a trade and you're just like man this doesn't make sense but i think what we realized was 
yeah, one, the Rudy Gobert trade, you know, like what's going on in Utah, like <laughs> the wind horse fingers, like, <laughs> yeah, why would they do that? You know, the Timberwolves kind of ruined it, they ruined the trade market. Um, I think they severely overpaid. Gobert probably should not, I mean, definitely should not have been that expensive, but this is what Danny Ainge does. I mean, you probably know as a Nets fan, <laughs> and this is what Ainge does, but you know, the Nets realize the offers aren't what they thought they would be. But then you get into, like, who KD is as a player. Probably, like, top three at, at worst, right? You I mean, you would think it's, like, Giannis, KD, and Steph right now. Like, you know? And then it's, like, but then you realize, all right, yeah, he's got four years left on his deal. But he's 33, about to be 34 before the season starts. He's got an injury history. Like, he's hurt his Achilles before, had a knee injury. So you're, like, how much do teams really want to give up for him? And then the question is, if we give up things for him, are we still going to be competitive to win with him? And that's, like, going to be tough, too. So, really, we we didn't hear too many actual trade offers, but I'm going to bring one up. So, the Boston one, I thought was the best one out there. They were willing to put Jalen Brown on the table. I think it was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and two first-round picks. It seems like the Nets said, we want Marcus Smart or Robert Williams, and they said, Celtics said no. You know, ultimately, now we know, like, this trade isn't happening. But would you have been happy with that Celtics trade where you got Jalen Brown back as your centerpiece? That's such a tough question. That's such a tough question, man. Jalen Brown is a very, very good player. Don't get it twisted. Like, Jalen Brown, I would say, right now is maybe top 25 in the league. Would you agree with that? Maybe top 20? player on a team that made the finals there you go there you go you can't be really mad at that and you can argue that you know in the finals Jalen Brown played a lot better than Jason Tatum Jason Tatum was garbage in the in these past finals so yes Jalen Brown is a phenomenal foundational player to build a team around but at the same time it's Kevin Durant man it's Kevin Durant as he said, you know who I am. <laughs> exactly. It's Kevin Durant, man. It, we're talking about probably the best scorer in NBA history. Maybe he doesn't have the, the, the accolades and the stats to back it up. But if you watch him play, a seven-footer that can handle like a point guard, that can shoot from anywhere on the court, can fit into any team, any team in any era, and would dominate. Bro. You need to give yeah. a lot more than that. I mean, if he wasn't 33, right? Like, you're forking up anything you can to get him. Exactly, exactly. So, yes, the Jalen Brown trade was... I don't know if I would have said that I'd be happy with that trade, but I would have I would have been not upset, if that makes sense. If they threw in Marcus Smart and another couple firsts, it would have been it would have been digestible you know what i mean but at the same time you're still losing kevin durant at that point kyrie is going to la for russell westbrook and a couple of firsts which uh, bro i don't want russell westbrook on my team <laughs> i know you're a lakers fan i apologize but i don't want like russell westbrook on my team I would have loved that trade, uh, you know, but yeah, no one wants Russell Westbrook as, I, as I'm learning, unless you give up two first round picks like seven years down the line. Um, 
But no, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, it's it was at the point where I think if you had to give up KD, Jalen Brown was the best player you were going to get. But you're still giving up KD. You're taking a step back, you know. And you got to assume in this four-year deal, like, I think, you know, at least the first two years, he's going to still be at this, like, level. Then, given his injury history, you're not sure. So, I think the Celtics, you know, we heard the heat, but really it seemed like the never, Nets were never interested. Once the Suns signed eight into that deal, like, it was like, all right, Suns aren't going to really be in this market. And then you're like, the Raptors weren't going to give up uh, Scotty Barnes. So, you knew the Raptors weren't going to be a player for the. And then, you know, I think there was like a little rumor in there. So, we saw like KD and Harden, you know, uh, living it up this summer again. Uh, they were in London at the Travis concert. They were seen together in like Saint Tropez. They were there together. The Sixers rumors started coming out. And I think that one kind of hit close. Uh, hit kind of close to us. You know, we're neither of us are Sixers fan, but like the Sixers are the closest team to us right now where we live. It's like I remember I texted you and I was like, you know, you could go see KD still play, just like you know more often maybe. But I remember, like the first, your first thought was like, all right, if he's coming for Sixers, I want, I want Maxi, I want Tybo, I want Tobias, <laughs> maybe even throw in Furkan and like whatever every single pick you could give up, and it would have been insane because you know Katie and Harden like that All Star draft where Katie picked Gobert over Harden at, when they were the last two players, but I mean you would have gotten a haul from Philly, and that you know that Philly team would have looked nice. But what would you have thought about like that Philly package? If if we don't know if they ever offered it, but if Maury did, what would you thought about that Philly package? Yeah, we did talk about this off air, and yeah, I wanted everything under the sun. I wanted Maxi, I wanted Melton, I want I, I wanted Ty Bull, Tobias, every future first that the Sixers could throw in, like fork on, give me everything, everything under the sun. And I feel like at that point, you can kind of go into like a a, a, a semi-rebuild in the sense. And I felt like that would have been okay because I'm high on Maxi. I think Maxi's really, really good. I think he's going to prove it this season. The Sixers don't need to mess with anything that they have going on, you know. And we'll talk about that maybe next week or something. But the Sixers have a lot of good things. They've had a great offseason. It's very sad because a lot of my friends, we've had this ongoing bet about James Harden and, and, and the Sixers and Nets. And oh my gosh. And this offseason or this season has been very difficult because James Harden seems like he's getting into shape. The Sixers skinny Harden. The Sixers are making all these moves. They're rebuilding the the Houston Rockets of 2018 with with these signings and whatnot. And they have something they have something going on. I think I think they're going to be very very competitive and in in the top four this year. But it's another another episode. But yeah, if that if that if that Harden trade did go down, I would have wanted everything under the sun, and I know that Maury would have bite the bullet and made it happen, which is which is good from like a GM perspective. Like if I'm Sean Marks, I'm not I'm walking in there and asking for like Harden or asking for like I don't know something ridiculous and ending with Maxi and everything else. You know what I mean? Just as a negotiation tactic. I have no idea how these things go. That's exactly how you got to do it. Uh, I think yeah, you're right. The thing with history with Maury is like he want he likes stars, right? Like he's always like whatever. Like I'll give up chemistry. Like 
I'll give up whatever if I could get the star. And if you, if he could have built a big three of Harden, KD, and Embiid, you know, I think that. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's. I mean, we thought Kyrie, KD, and Harden, but Harden, KD, and Embiid, who's been like the runner-up, like. We, we'll, we'll, yeah, like you said, you know, when we talk about the Sixers, we could have talked about. We'll talk about the possibilities if they play the offseason correct. But I think from a net standpoint, you know, that that trade, you're right. They, they, it's hard because they can't go into a full rebuild because they owe all these picks to the Rockets still. So they got to stay competitive. And I thought that's why the Celtics trade was the best. But I think what was, uh, you know, we realized the KD market isn't really there. It seems like the trade market had quieted down after summer league. We didn't really hear any news. Then about like a week and a half ago, this bombshell drops. KD apparently met with Joe Sy in London, and he says, it's me or Sean Marks and Joe Sy. And again, we, that same night, Joe Sy came out and kind of ended that right away and was like, I support my um, I support my coach. I support our staff here. And that kind of ended that. I think that was like a last-ditch effort by KD to be like, hey, like, do this. Because then he thought, okay, if they at least fire them, he won't fire the coaching staff, so he'll trade me. Which, that didn't work either for KD. So, that's all done. And now, we get to this this past, uh, I think it came out again, like two days ago, just in time. KD met, and Rich Kleiman met with uh, Joe Sai, his wife, Claire Wu Sai. Sean Marks and um, Steve Nash, right? And it was like they all met and they came to an agreement that they want to move forward with this partnership is I think how they worded their press release. So it's how it seems like the saga is over for now for the offseason. And so I think as a Nets fan, you kind of have some finality to this. So after experiencing the, like this tumultuous offseason, you now know that this team is running it back. How do you feel? I feel great, man. I am so relieved. Like, all of my Nets gear has been hidden in my closet for the past couple of months because I'm like, I don't want to deal with the questions and, like, people asking me, like, what are they going to do and whatnot, whatnot. If I was to take a step back and, like, really analyze why KD wanted this trade, none of it really makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, is it is it about Kyrie? Is it about like Steve Nash, who you were just praising at, at the uh, series like press conference after the series with the Celtics? Like, you were praising him about all the things that he's had to deal with, which is true. Not many coaches can sit there and deal with one of their stars not playing, one of their stars being injured, whatever is going on with Ben Simmons. Um, we for that's a big topic that's a big topic that we forgot but i mean all right if we're gonna go back and analyze that trade which is where this bet started with a couple of friends of mine um james harden versus ben simmons right i'm looking at it when that trade went down in whatever it was uh or february right i'm looking at it like listen harden is an old man this man cannot stay in shape. His hamstring is done for. Like, he's declining. He's declining. No, like, especially with the rule changes this year, the fouls aren't as easy, all those things. Like, you can definitely tell that he's lost a step, and his conditioning doesn't help. 
you can he's made the argument and people in his circle have made the argument that because he didn't have a fully healthy hamstring last offseason he didn't he wasn't able to get in the proper conditioning I'd argue that it was the clubs and everything else, his extracurricular activities, but we won't go there. We won't go there too too much, too much. But this this is a guy that hasn't taken his conditioning and his workout regimen very seriously. We've known that for the past couple of years, right? You saw in Houston when he wanted the trade, he literally showed up to camp like 20 pounds overweight like you know he's doing his best Luca impression playing himself into shape and whatnot although Luca looks phenomenal this offseason it looks phenomenal the Mavs are good I'm jumping ahead to so many different topics but anyways we know we know that Harden's motivations aren't really aligned with trying to win a championship or they haven't been in the past right and whatever is going on with Ben Simmons mentally whatever all like him passing to tie bowl in the last two minutes of that Atlanta Hawks series that was horrible and for a player that can't shoot and refuses to shoot the mentally all that stuff is I understand but at the same time bro this guy's 6'9 6'10 magic and LeBron comparisons in terms of passing vision he has the defensive player of the year candidate runner-up bro this guy's never had a team built around him with shooters and now he has that now he has that like bro philly crowds are tough i'm an eagles fan right so i know i know how bad philly crowds or philly fans can get especially on players that they know have the highest potential because philly is an underdog city you know like they want to be underestimated they want to be overlooked all of exactly exactly and that's what made ben simmons and even to a degree joel Embiid in his early years when he didn't take his workout and conditioning that seriously eating burgers and whatnot before games jeez man like (laughs) so from that perspective i understand how that could be mentally difficult as an athlete and whatever he's going through you know i hope all of that has is at bay for his his debut as a Nets player because I think the team that he has surrounding him like we're looking at a closing lineup of him Kyrie Seth Curry Joe Harris and KD with Simmons guarding the five in closing situations like I'm not saying he's gonna guard Embiid or Jokic but he has the he has the capability to at least keep up with them at least do something better than Claxton. Claxton gets thrown around by these guys like it's nothing. You know what I mean? So, like, bro, Simmons on the open floor with shooters surrounding him is a problem. Problem, bro. So, you're asking me how I feel about the finality of everything. I know I I took a long-winded way of answering this question, but I think you look at the pieces in place you look at the starting five or the closing five, I should say. You look at, you know, even if a, even if they have a lineup of Clax and Simmons at the four and five, quote unquote. Yeah, you don't have the shooting, but like that, those lineups are going to last like what four minutes into the first quarter before they make an adjustment. We'll be all right. 
you have depth pieces in TJ Warren. If we get Bubble Warren, bro, if we get Bubble TJ Warren, <laughs> yo, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Exactly, bro. And you got Royce O'Neal, solid, small ball center, can shoot a little bit. So you have a lot of possibilities, man. And and that's what I've been saying the whole offseason while Katie has been demanding this trade. Is like, yo, the the Nets are signing all these pieces. Joe Harris is going to come back, hopefully. Whatever happened to Joe Harris last year, like, (laughs) I hope he comes back and is all good. You have to assume that. But you have everything in place, man. Why would you go somewhere else and deplete their roster and be playing with, like, for example, a 38-year-old Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton? Like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> I think the grass is greener where you water it. And it's all, that's on your side, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm so in agreement with you. I mean, I was telling um, Sandeep or Sandeep about this when because he's a Nets fan too. And I was like, yeah, I mean, the Nets, the problem is not the players that they have. They have great players. They just got to play. Like, that's been the biggest issue for the Nets. Like, KD, Harden, and Kyrie apparently only played 11 games together, which is just, like, unbelievable when you think about that number that the three of them together only played 11 games. And... I mean, they had the highest offensive rating ever when they played. But, man, I mean, that that big three was just the biggest what-if because between the Harden in, the initial Harden injury, the KD injury, Kyrie's vaccine situation, the biggest what-if. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, you think about a lineup, it's like Kyrie, Simmons, KD. Then you surround it with, like, Joe Harris and Claxton, right? And then off the bench, you got, like, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, who came, they re-signed, Royce, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren. Like, this team is stacked. And then that's that closing five, right? You think it'll be like, it, it's almost like the Hamptons five, right? Because Simmons is the Draymond. You got you got KD. Kyrie's probably a close impersonation of Curry. KD's still there. Then we talked about Joe Harris, who could be, or Seth Curry, who could be like your... Um, you could be like your clay like that shooter and then tj warren like you said if he's like bubble warren like the defense offense he could be like the andre godala like this could be like the warriors that that kd team played uh that he played on it's just a matter of like the chemistry and the players showing up to play i think that's the biggest thing with the nets right it's just hopefully they got this all resolved now everyone's going to show up to play everyone's going to be committed and if everyone's healthy, I mean, this, you gotta say, they're still a contender, right? They're right up there with the Bucks, Celtics in the East and the Sixers now, I guess we gotta give them, like, with after this offseason. But they're right there. I mean, hopefully Simmons, like, has put everything else behind him. I think that's the one thing we didn't talk about. Like, we heard the story about, like, how Simmons left the group chat, like, when, <laughs> when they said, when they apparently asked him if he's gonna play a group. But apparently that story got shot down. That wasn't true. But, you know, is Simmons gonna play? Is he gonna show up ready? He does. This is at. You're right. He even if he doesn't shoot, who cares? Like, just de- defend, rebound, pass, and he he's got enough players on this team who want to shoot the ball, even if he doesn't. Um, this this is probably the most talented Nets team that KD has played in. I think the last three years, like you know, that first year he didn't play. The second year they got James Harden, but they gave up all their depth to get Harden, so they didn't couldn't fill out the roster. Last year, you know. Harden left, and now that's the thing, right? You said that playoff series was so close. That was without Simmons playing. That was without Joe Harris playing. 
and now they got this extra depth. I I, I like where the Nets are at. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it, it kind of sucked for me because I was hoping to benefit off this situation, maybe snag Kyrie. But just as an objective guy, like, this Nets team can be very exciting if the players just want to play. I think so too, man. And I think, I think... If Simmons, I, I know we talk about this, we've talked about this for the past like six years with this guy, but Kyle Korver is the shooting coach. Yeah, I think maybe he's a consultant, whatever the case is, but you know, there there was, uh, uh, I guess, footage of Simmons shooting and practicing shooting and all of this. And I mean, yo, at, at the very least, if he can hit more than like 70% of his free throws, that in itself would be enough, I feel like, from a shooting perspective, for him to be to contribute to to the team, you know? And I think those early Nets teams that you're talking about with Kenny Atkinson, uh, you referenced earlier, those were those were fun to watch, man. Dimwitty, uh, Lavert, Clax, like. Though Jared Allen, like those were those were great Nets teams, um, very fun to watch. And then you kind of saw the shift in, you know, attracting star players with Katie and Kyrie, who were originally going to go to the Knicks, but they were like, Nah, Brooklyn is the wave now. And I, I think I think that kind of still holds true. Sorry for all the Knicks fans that are out there. Um, I mean, although they might, they're going to land Donovan Mitchell at some point. It's just a matter of how many draft picks. Literally, that's <laughs> yeah, and I think I think they're gonna become the new Portland Trail Blazers of the East, where they have these two little guards and like nothing else, <laughs> like under six three guards. Like, but again, that's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be good for MSG. It's gonna be good for New York sports. Like New York sports have been terrible for God knows how long, but that'll be good. But I think I think with this Nets team. It really, it really boils down to developing chemistry, avoiding injury, because Katie and Kyrie both all have a very long laundry list of injuries. And I think Ben Simmons' men- mental state and Katie Kyrie's physical state are going to be the key components as to how far this Nets team can go, because they have the depth, right? The coaching, I know people give Steve Nash a lot, a lot of trouble and a lot of hate for his lack of adjustments. And there's times where it's definitely come out. Like where I talked about that game three where he put in Blake Griffin for like literally like three minutes and then took him out. We closed the gap by like we were like within five points and then he just took him out for no reason. I know, I know. I still think Steve Nash is a very good coach. I still think he needs to develop plays for these guys. You can't just give them the ISO and let them do their thing, which if I was a coach, you know, if you have KD and Kyrie, like <laughs> that's not a bad offensive game plan, but you got to develop some, some, some plays, get, get some uh, open threes for Seth and Joe on the wings. You got to get, I mean, the thing is, like, now you have someone that can be a true facilitator. James Harden was that facilitator, and for those 11 games, you saw how good they were. Now, just imagine someone who's taller, more athletic, faster, 
in Ben Simmons that can facilitate and literally doesn't need to shoot, you know? So now I think those things are in place. Steve Nash just needs to incorporate his Ben Simmons physical tools and his IQ into play calling and developing sets for each of these guys. And, you know, if you got eight seconds left on the clock, give it to KD or Kyrie, let them figure it out. I think that can work, but you do need to develop something beforehand. So they have the depth. They have the coaching in theory. It literally, to me, just comes down to can Ben Simmons handle the mental pressure in the playoffs? And I think he can because he doesn't have the level of responsibility that he did in Philly. He's not the second star. He's not He's not going to be relied upon to develop or to score points, especially in crucial moments, right? You have two of the best closers in, in arguably NBA history that can do that. Um, but the other thing is going to come down to can Kyrie stay healthy? You know, my friends and I, we did this thing where we look back to Kyrie, even back to his college days. He He's cost teams so many championships. He's cost Duke their championship. He's cost Cleveland their championship. Two championships with LeBron. He's cost, you could argue, the Celtics. They had like Gordon Hayward come back, and they thought that that team was like Bill Simmons was claiming that team was going to win 67 games. And Kyrie completely fucked the chemistry of that team. That's what I'm saying. And then you could argue 2021 Brooklyn Nets. That's like six championships right there, my my man. So a lot comes down to Kyrie's health in the playoffs. And, you know, he needs to continue saging or whatever it is that he's doing. You know, keep fasting whatever it is like ramadan kareem bro like i'm muslim too that's my biggest like like Kyrie's my favorite player bro favorite player but to, like that covid's not an issue anymore thank god in, in the sense of like vaccine ma- yeah, yeah yeah um so all those things are in play. He just needs to stay healthy, develop chemistry this off season, or this upcoming season. And I think he'll do that, given that it's a contract year for him. And whether or not he stays with the Nets or not, he needs to show that he is, one, committed to the team and can play 50-plus games because he hasn't done that in God knows how long. So, And KD, too, like his lower limbs, made of glass. <laughs> Literally made of glass. So I, I think if those things can stay intact, at least for the most part of the regular season, they can build momentum for the playoffs. And hopefully that propels them deep into the playoffs and hopefully at least a dub over the Sixers in the series. For sure. Yeah, I think we always said like Simmons just they, the Sixers were never built around him because it was hard to always build around him and Embiid. And they try to make him into this lead ball handler. But we realize that's not what he is. He's really, like, should be in that Draymond role. And he could play that now. But, all right. It's your first time on the pod. You know, I, I, we got to close it out with this. So, you know, this, this is where you get to make your prediction. Trade deadline 2023. Are KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons all Nets after the trade deadline this year? I really hope so. <laughs> 
No, but I think I think if things are I, I think if things are going relatively smoothly, you know, obviously if Kyrie gets injured for a significant amount of time or KD gets injured, that throws a wrench into everything. But I think if you know if, if things are relatively good heading into February, I don't see. I don't see, you know, the drama and controversy that, you know, the media is trying to stir up or is going to try and stir up with training camp coming up with the beginning of the season. Like, I think if the Nets come in hot, they win like their first like 10 of 12 or 15 of 18, whatever the case may be, like the narrative is going to shift, right? Like, I think these reporters are going to start saying like, Hey, like, can the Nets get into the, or can they get into the NBA finals? Like how deep can this team go? Whatever, whatever. But if they get off to a slow start, then it's going to be like, Hey, like, are you still, you know, okay with staying in Brooklyn? Do you like want to reopen the trade request? So I really think it depends on how they start off. And I think if they start off well, then these questions will be kept at bay. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, in today's day and age, the media narrative is plays such a big role. Um, but you know, you the media can only talk about what you provide them, right? And like you said, if the Nets stay like a a well-run organization and they keep everything in-house, um, then who cares what the media says? Like you know, that's how that's what their like idea should be. But man, this is an exciting team. This team always gives us content, even in the dog days of summer. And that's what's most exciting. I love this pod. I love talking about the Nets with, like, this, like, just an energetic, this diehard Nets fan. And that's what it's all about. Um, it's, it's about to be the end of August. Training camps, I think, are opening up, like, end of September. It's going to be soon. I can't wait. And, man, this is a great pod, side, And I can't wait till we, we do our next one and just for the season to start. Yeah, man, for sure. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's been a pleasure. And that's it for this pod, guys. Signing off. Till next time. I want to thank our producer, Sandeep. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BSJPod. And check out our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.